Hello, and thank you. Welcome back to the Sports Medicine Broadcast here in Las Vegas, NATA 2019. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and also host of The Business Advantage. And I have David Gallegos here with me. David is the district director in District 7, which is also where I'm at now. Um, I'm in Phoenix. You're in New Mexico. That's correct. Yeah, he's my district director, but what we're here to talk about is COPA, which is the Committee on Practice Advancement, um, something that you and I are both super passionate about. So I'm just going to dive right into it. Let's do it. Um, so when I was in uh, District 8 still, I was on what was called CPAT, which was Clinical and Emerging Practices in Athletic Training. That's correct. And it became COPA. Can you first talk about what that difference was uh, and maybe what, what prompted that transition? You know, those are great, great questions. Uh, and actually, it goes before CPAT. I mean, we had CORE, the Committee on Revenue. Okay. We had uh, CIC, Clinical and Industrial Committee. And so those were even precursors to CPAT, okay. which is a precursor to COPA. But in general, we've been looking at emerging settings from the NATA standpoint for many years. Right. And each time we make these transitions, it's mainly about how can we serve our members better? Mm-hmm. What is it we're not doing? What is it they're telling us that we need? Yeah. And uh, in the latest literation of this, uh, we have a large council. It's no longer a committee. It's a council. Right. And we expect big things from it. And we're excited to support it. Definitely. So, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about um, maybe the difference between what a committee and a council is and what prompted that change from committee to council? Yeah, that's a great one. You know, one of the issues that we have within uh, our emerging settings is each type of setting is different in itself. Correct. So if you work in a clinical setting, there may be five or six or seven different types of clinical environments for you. And one person that used to be in a committee cannot really represent that well, cannot articulate that well, cannot really be a resource for the membership. Right. And so we needed a a broader perspective of what those uh, settings look like. Uh And so we needed more people. We needed more voices. Uh, and we needed to be a better representation of who's actually practicing. So, moving from a committee of ten to now a committee of ten and a chair to now a council of ten committees with four members, four at larges and a chair. So now right. we're like at 44, 45 members. It's a significant difference. So I want to break down that structure for people to understand a little bit. So now, as the council, there are ten subcommittees that all represent. They, they all represent settings? That, well, they don't all represent settings. They kind of represent the, the future of practice advancement. Okay. And that maybe I'll stop you there just for a second because I yep. love the title of practice advancement. Yeah. I mean, we tend to look at, at it as a setting advancement activity, but really within our 10 committees, there are uh, there's a public health work group. There's okay. an analytics and outcomes group. And those are groups that are going to support all of our practice settings, yeah. really, regardless of, of it being emerging or not. So it is a practice advancement activity versus a setting That's a really good distinction. I appreciate that you so, paused me to, yeah. to, to make that distinction because, to your point, it's not just about settings. Those settings may be part of the way that we advance mm-hmm. from exactly. a practice perspective. It's not the only way. Exactly. So there's a lot of philo- uh, philosophy in COPA. Um, where we should go, how we can get there, what's the quickest way to get there, mm-hmm. how do we do that without damaging what we already have built as a profession. And so th- the idea of having additional committees that don't represent settings that can support other settings that mm. may be considered traditional, sure. like how do you support the uh, 
the high school or the college and yep. how, how can you do that through a public health perspective using right. analytics and outcomes to do that for you right so really it's it's much bigger than just settings but obviously settings is a, is a big piece of it we have 10 committees and they're not really subcommittees there are we have a true council executive council and then we have 10 committees mm-hmm. and of those 10 committees eight of them are practice-based settings okay and then we have our uh, analytics and outcomes and and some are, are public health type stuff so so the so the overarching is a council and yes. then there are 10 sub- Eight, 10 committees. committees yes and then on each committee there is a single chair and then right. three committee members and that was the four that you were saying it makes that up is, that is correct and really you know traditionally when you look at a committee within the nata they have members that are uh, appointed by our district directors uh-huh. this situation is a little bit different we wanted subject matter experts in all these settings right and so we had to not only look for somebody from the district so that we had district representation but we had to look across the country and say okay who are our best in these settings let's go out let's literally go out and track them down headhunt them if you would mm-hmm. and so we were lucky enough to come across you alicia right yeah. obviously <laughs> in uh, in copa itself yes but, but we did want to find the people that went outside uh, outside of COPA members are looking in and considering what should I do? Should I look into these other settings? They can look and say, you know what? NATA has found the leaders in these settings. Right. And these are people that are obviously living it and I can trust what they have to say and they have great, great resources for me. So we wanted to be seen as SMEs. Yeah. And um, I think that, I think that kind of answers one of my questions, which is, you know, what, what need does this address? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think the biggest thing it is that it's going to address is do we provide a resource for our members that meets their need where they are right now? Mm -hmm. So we have so many people working, let's say, for example, in the industrial setting on all different levels. We have people just going into it and people have been in it for 20 years. And how do you how do you resource somebody that has that kind of difference? Absolutely. And so we needed to have more resources, more um, board focus on it, more opportunities. And I really do expect that we may have a, a council of 45, 44 right now. But it may change in the next few years. I would love to see that grow even more. And well, I keep look, that in your pocket because I'm yeah. going to ask you that question <laughs> okay, later. Okay. Don't jump ahead okay. of the question. But, but I do, right? right? But I do think that the biggest thing that we are going to do is provide a resource to, for our members that probably wasn't met as well as it could have been in the past. And what's happening, when you live on the tip of the sword like people within COPA do, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going through things faster than many times um, other people are recognizing. Sure. And so the nice thing about the new structure is the NATA board of directors and obviously from the recommendations of COPA have recognized the need to change the structure to provide a better resource. So that's probably the greatest thing. And so when I get to speak to our council, I talk about June 2018. That's when the board of directors recognized this, approved it. And from that point forward, we are a new animal moving forward. So it's all about June 2018 and, and tracking our progress. Yeah, that's really exciting. You know, I'm I'm someone who really believes strongly in the idea that representation matters. And yes. I, that's what I hear you saying is that though it was identified as a, um, a need, mm-hmm. maybe a small one previously, and you guys have had different iterations of what that looks like for a while, exactly. um, that June of 2018 was kind of the, the, the moment where NATA said, this is larger than what it has been previously, and we're willing to commit resources and energy and time to that in order to ensure that our members feel 
represented by us. Yeah, and that's the best part of, about being the board liaison to COPA. Not only am I their liaison and I am their voice to the board, but they do also represent the settings that I practice in. Yeah. So I kind of have this double vested interest in COPA. So it's exciting to get in there because I'd like to participate and kind of pretend I was one of the committee members and give <laughs> lots of suggestions. And then I also get to take it back to the board. And so it is, for me, exciting as one person example because it does better represent what I do. And so it is, it is a great time to be part of COPA. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I are both business, uh, mm -hmm. in the business realm, um, doing private practice. And I know that this is something, like you just said, it, it resonates with us on a Definitely. personal level. Uh, you get to be the board liaison. Um, I, you know, made the choice to say yes to yet, yet another <laughs> obligation. <laughs> That's what we do. Right. Um, I'm already the, the PR chair for District 7, and I was approached by the private practice uh, COPA committee, mm -hmm. and I, I opted to go into there as one of the subject matter experts, as you were saying. Which you are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I don't know. Let's let's chat a little bit about some of the things that you see as the liaison, some of the things that they're working on. Uh, I can chat a little bit about the things that we've done already. We've only been uh, a meeting committee now for about two or three months. So okay. we've done a few little action items that I'm, that I'm, I'm happy to chat about. Um, but tell me what you see from an action items perspective, what you see uh, COPA working on uh, either as a larger council mm -hmm. or even some of the, the committee specific stuff. Yeah, if we go on a larger council look, I would go back to um, Oregon State has a strong background in public health and AT. Mm, and a few years back, they, they put together an athletic training and public health summit. And they were looking to do another summit this current or this upcoming year and approach the board about that. And at that time, when they first came to us, we didn't really have something that connected with them, so they created this independent summit. Sure. Well, now we have a COPA organization that has committees that has resources to fit public health within. So now, yeah. not only are they looking at creating another summit, but we're looking at a structure that sustains public health as a long, ongoing initiative. That's very cool. Yeah. So that's something very big on a, on a broad level. Yep. Within an, one of my favorite committees is analytics and outcomes. Yeah. Right? It's all about data. Yep. Big data. And uh, actually, I'll be speaking about that tonight in our RMATA district meeting. If cool. you'll be there, I'll be talking about we only trust two sources of data, right? Uh, true data and God. Those are only yeah. two sources of data. <laughs> it's kind of a joke ongoing. You'll see I love it later. It. <laughs> but, but analytics and outcomes does track data. And one of the greatest things that they've done in the last three or four weeks is they identified a physician, MD, PhD, that has done research on the value of the athletic trainer in the secondary school and how it impacts the Medicaid cost to the state wow. and they're talking about potentially 10 to 12 percent reduction in medicaid cost when an at is on site Incredible. and an at is on site employed directly by the school versus in other opportunity uh -huh. kind of situations but they're talking about hey we reduce the, the risk of somebody going to the er which is one of the most expensive yes. places to be right yes and so an at prevents that and so you talk about saving let's say the state of new mexico where i'm from 10 to 12 percent is tremendous at that level we could take that to the state and say, can you now fund athletic trainers in the, yeah. in the schools versus the schools having to fund them out of a teacher position? Yeah, right. Because the state sees the impact. How much they're going to save yes. or what, what yeah. that impact and is. And that's yeah. a great example of the work that's already come out of analytics and outcomes in the fact that they research articles that are being published and they look for people that are doing this kind of data expansion. And so they brought that to the board. The board is now obviously working a lot with uh, the physician's name is Dr. Lee. 
and so he's a healthcare economist. We hope to have Ooh, lots that's of a good. Cool. Yeah, that's we a hope, cool title. Exactly right. Yeah. We hope to have lots of great information coming back and forth between us and him, and hopefully uh, we can support his work if he continues to to do that kind of interesting work. And his big focus is on the triple aim of healthcare, mm-hmm. and how do you obviously improve improve quality and decrease yep. cost. Yep. And, uh, and and along those lines, COPA has sponsored an EBP presentation, oh, okay. which is Wednesday on that. How can you use the triple aim of healthcare to define the true value of the athletic Very trainer cool. in a secondary school setting? So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully our, our membership can attend. Everything that you said resonates so strongly with me because two years ago, we partnered with uh, outside uh, data analysts that we download all of our injury reports, we send them out, he analyzes everything, uh, sends us back ROI information, but we are even looking at injury trends and things like that. And it has completely changed the conversation that we have with our clients when we're trying to do renewals, when we're trying to approach them about increasing their budgets, either from an athletic training services perspective or supplies. Um, We're, it, it just, it takes, certain parts of the conversation completely off the table when they're thinking about, can I afford this? Can, can you, you, you can't not afford it. And, um, what he's been really good, uh, with us is showing us direct versus indirect costs and, and being able to demonstrate, um, you know, butts and seats is how school districts (laughs) get paid. So if we can show them directly how we're putting butts and seats that translates to real dollars. So what you're saying about Medicaid and um, you know being able to approach the state about it, we're doing that in a much smaller way, district by district, and using data outcomes to accomplish that. Yeah, data outcomes. I mean, I, I, we all know that it's the future of, of many things, healthcare included. But I, I have learned that the data is first, we're going to have to track the data, right? Find what it is and where it is and why, why you're going to track it. And then eventually that leads to how do you predict things. Right. Well, some of the coolest things is they're finding, let's say in football, that when they go hard for so many weeks, there's a certain period of time that traditionally and through, through data, we almost always find injuries in this week. Mm-hmm. So now we can say, hey, we're going to go so many weeks of practice and yep. then we're going to take a down week because we know data is showing this is what's going to happen yeah, to us. Yeah, trends. I mean, trends. They're, they're meaningful. Yeah, they're very yeah, meaningful. And absolutely. that's that's going to save even more than we currently save yeah. from injuries to, to dollars. I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing in the private practice committee. But I first have to say that you've got a fan out there, um, <laughs> Eric Rueda says go david <laughs> yeah hey eric is coming out of texas he's a d6 guy he's uh he's a young at working in a high school i know eric because i was lucky to be uh, selected to be on his thesis committee oh very cool yeah he, eric has implemented a system called photo which is a patient reported outcome mm. that's traditionally used for outpatient rehabilitation clinics but he implemented that system within a high school. And I think he is the first AT to do that in the country. Very cool. And the reason that is so valuable is because that data set that he was using that system gave him predictive analysis. So mm. if somebody comes in with X, Y, and Z symptoms, it's likely going to take 32 days for them to get better. They're going to be 97.5% happy. That's incredible. And it should take 13 visits. It kind of gives you that upfront data because, wow. because they have 6 million data sets in their database. And so he used that and then said, okay, how am I doing against these national norms? That's very cool. Yeah, yeah very cool. Incredible and, and stuff. I, Thanks, hope, Eric. Yeah, I hope Eric <laughs> takes that another step forward and tries to publish some of that data. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that has come up in our private practice group uh, 
when we're starting these things, we always want to start with a SWOT analysis. Mm. So determining where we at and where do we want to go, identifying strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Sure. And one of the areas that I feel very strongly about um, from the private practice side of it is that uh, there isn't a lot of formal education. There's not a lot of great opportunities out there for people to figure out how do I do this, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to be an NFL athletic trainer, it's it's pretty easy to figure out how to do that. If somebody wants to be a secondary school athletic trainer, there's lots of examples out there. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I've been one of the original ones and I probably talk the loudest about it, you know, from on all my platforms. But one of the things I'm really excited about on our private practice committee is to start focusing on how can we provide greater opportunities for other athletic trainers out there that want to go into business to find mentors, to have mm -hmm. resources, to identify education, to, um, you know, basically just give them the tools and resources to be successful the same way that NATA has done on so many other levels exactly. with uh, other parts of membership. And that's something that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of the main key points of what COPA is going to do for our membership. And I do have to say that one of the best things about the new structure of COPA and the people that have been selected to participate is they're great educators, they're mm -hmm. great communicators. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're working in an emerging setting and you're pushing boundaries and you're challenging status, you know, status quo mm -hmm. and you're bringing up new ideas, you have to be able to be an educator first. Yes. And you have to communicate that very well in a nice, articulate way that doesn't offend a lot of people, that sure. drives home the message. And, and just like you did, did right there uh, so eloquently. But I think that's probably one of the strengths of the new COPA is we have a much better voice. We have, I have a greater opportunity to bring back to the board uh, information that becomes educational to right. the board, information that becomes educational to the membership. And I think that is probably some of the greatest change that we've had in COPA. And I just couldn't be more thankful that um, the board and really the NATA uh, on a larger level recognizes and appreciates that and wants that. You know, mm -hmm. people are um, often questioning, you know, what NATA does. And this is a perfect example of how they are actually investing time and resources and energy into allowing us to be heard. So, yeah, yeah it's exciting. A great, great appetite for the future. That's for sure. And, and so that actually gets me into my next question is, you know, knowing how much this council and this idea has grown in recent years. What do you think that that says about the future of the profession? You know, that's that's actually kind of a double sword. I'll be honest with you, because it says, one, we're going very fast forward, yeah. right? And True. as we do that, and as you ride that kind of curve, that, uh, that affluent change curve, there's also a lot of risk involved because sure. you have to be able to navigate. And the decisions that you make today, we might not recognize the impact until many years to come. So one, there's this awesome leadership potential, right, to go right. forward. And there's also a significant management responsibility. Yes. Yeah, to, to make sure that we do that well. But to me, what it says is our membership has the opportunity to make new situations for themselves. And when you talk about like Tori Lindley's uh, own your impact kind mm -hmm. of thing, that's what COPA is. Yeah. COPA is people going out there and saying, yes. you know what, I'm going to change something. I'm going to give it a shot. Yes. I'm going to try something new. And hey, it worked out. And now we need to listen to those people. How did you do that? What can we do for the next person behind you? And kind of just start rolling that ball forward. So it's all, it's very awesome. Yeah. There, there's a, a concept that I talk about in a, many of my talks that I give, which is the law of diffusion of innovation. So this mm -hmm. idea that there's um, a bell curve and the, there's the early majority 
uh, well, first there's the early adopters, which are the first people to sign on to anything. So if you think about it from a technology standpoint, who are the people that are in line sleeping overnight waiting for the new iPhone to come out? And then you have the early majority. Those are the people who maybe put in pre-orders, but they don't need it the moment it comes out. Then we have the majority, then we have laggards, then we have really late laggards, right? <laughs> and so I think as a profession, we are just really getting into majority. And what's exciting about that is that that entire back half of the bell curve mm -hmm. hasn't even been tapped yet, which means there's so much opportunity. But even within that bell curve, there's little mini bell curves. And mm -hmm. that's what I think COPA is, is a mini bell curve. Uh, and then each of those committees is a mini bell curve within that. And um, so to your point, there's always going to be early adopters. There's always, always going to be people that are blazing the trail and doing something different. Mm -hmm. But to your point, if they ever want to reach majority and laggards, right. they have to have the, they have to be willing to educate and communicate because if you're blazing that trail and it's just, you know, on fire behind you and nobody can repeat it, you, well, there's not really going to be a trail, right? Yeah. You so. need something that's, you know, we want to be, have sustainability. Absolutely. We want and to have scalability. Yeah, scalability. Yeah. We want to have opportunities for members to really take what these committees are going to create and allow that to propel them forward. That's definitely the case. We don't want to just have individual pockets of success. We want to say, right. how do we leverage that, that opportunity, that success, and how do we learn from those situations and go forward? Definitely, and I think you hit it well on these committees, and they're not all in the same maturity level. Exactly. I mean, we have the yep. rehabilitation clinic, for example, that's probably our most mature of all those. Sure. And then we have performing arts and industrial and private practice and right. I mean, analytics and outcomes. I mean, that, that was, that's now in COPA. That was, you know, that's yeah, it's like what I'm an saying. infant. Yeah. yeah. We have infants, we have adults, we have all right, sorts of. Right, right. And as you know, being part of the emerging practices, we like to say many times, we're already emerged. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're not emerging. <laughs> emerging is a little bit of a flippant. Right? You know, like, but there are like the yeah. rehab clinic committee, yes, is emerged. Yes. And it continues to develop. And then you have some that are truly emerging. Yeah. And so the committees all have a different stage that they're in, and which is probably the most exciting thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And also a little bit challenging because it's not like the council can go in and, and have initiatives that everybody's going to do because right. they're all in different situations, yeah. different timelines. We do represent a segment of the greater membership. That's but correct. it seems like, at least from my perspective, that's a growing segment. And the greater representation that we have for those people, the greater resources that we can provide that NATA has already demonstrated that they're investing in, that segment's going to grow. And, you know, maybe 50 years from now, they're, you know, they're, those are the mainstream. It's, mm -hmm. you know, secondary school is right next to private practice as equal majorities or, you right, know, it's, right. If we think back far enough, I mean, where did AT start, right? Started in colleges. And then at some point, the secondary school setting was an emerging setting. Absolutely. Right? It's no longer thought of that. Now it's traditional. I mean, if you just kind of, it's all kind of a relative situation that, that's a pendulum that kind of swings swings forward and back. And depending on what time you jump on that pendulum, yeah. you see where you are. Yeah. But there's definitely been people ahead of us that have been working on this. I mean, we talk about like the Lindas and the Lisas and the Cathy's and they know yeah. who they are. Right? But totally. Um, they, they've done a lot of work many years ago when you talk about that front side yes. of the innovation curve. And, uh, and COPA is, is, is a product of that work, and it will continue to create new products. And I do see uh, a groundswell of membership interest, and Agreed. I'm excited to see what that brings forward. That's awesome. Doc says, hi, David. Oh, <laughs> Tim Ackland, New Mexico. Yes. Um, is there any specific thing that you're most excited about with COPA? 
I think you've already touched on a lot of I did. really I, great I, things going on. Is there any one other thing that you want to highlight, or you know, that's a, that's a good question. I think I did hit most of the my my interests. Uh, I I would say maybe, and this is probably just the profession in general. Yeah. But in the Copa meeting yesterday, so much passion. I yeah. mean, the meeting you can't even sit down, right? Like people don't sit down in the meeting. That's <laughs> they're cool. All, they're that's all really standing cool. up, and you can they're moving yeah. around. There's too much energy. Yeah. Uh, and that is is alone very exciting to see. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I just sit back. I'm like, man, I get to be part of this. And this we get to amazing. channel that and funnel it into really yes. productive things, yes. which is phenomenal. And I think it says a lot about the future of our profession. It does. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about where things are going. And I think that everybody else should, too. I think this, again, is a perfect uh, demonstration of, you know, if, if you feel frustrated or you don't feel like the membership is representing you, then speak up, say something about it, do something about it. And... Um, you know, get involved. Mm-hmm. This is this is a way to have your voice heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something I did. It you know, this isn't uh, wasn't about a blame game. It was just this representation doesn't exist. So be the change you wish to see. Exactly. And you know, the other thing I would like to bring up, since you're kind of talking about that, if you have an interest, you go do it. You know, prior to maybe if I go back ten years and I wasn't as involved in the district and now in the national level, I would have probably had the perspective that the NATA as a separate entity that wasn't connected to me made decisions that got pushed down uh-huh. right and as the last 10 years have come i see that that's not the case at all sure. we are nata and nata starts with our committees and yes. our state and it goes up and the board gets the privilege of looking at all this information and what the experts in their fields are recommended and recommending and then getting to approve and support those it's it's rarely the other way around and i think it's very important and for those that are in the emerging settings like copa that they recognize that that change and that proposal level comes from the bottom, comes it from our... you. Come, starts with you. Yes. At the most base level. And what would you like to see? Get involved, make it happen, bring it up, and the board is probably going to support it because that is the SME of the area. Absolutely. And, Co- and COPA is a group of SMEs. We're looking forward to what they yeah. bring forward. We did have a question come in. Oh. Do you think that COPA is going to be the leading segment? And do you think that students today will move from secondary school to COPA as the newest segment? I think, you know, when you talk about transition to practice and, tra- yep. and transition within practice, yep. I think COPA settings, if you would, provide a great opportunity for people to flow back and forth from within athletic training in a way that matches their life needs I agree. at that time. Yep. I worked for uh, almost 10 years in the secondary school setting, and I love it. I'd probably go back to it today if I, if I had the opportunity. But I did leave because my, my kids were at an age where I wanted to spend more time yes. with them, right? So I jumped into a different setting yes. uh, that's now represented by COPA, and it's allowed me to be a coach. It's allowed me to do what I'm doing now. Right. And I would not be opposed to going back into the other settings when that opportunity arises again and, and it meets the needs of kind of my personal life. And so I think the nice thing about what COPA will become for many people as they become more educated on the opportunities is opportunity within your field yes. to shift back and forth to match the, what you're interested in at that time. Well, and I, and, and I want to piggyback on that because I've met a lot of people who um, their one true desire in life is to work with equestrian mm-hmm. or performing arts. And the fact is, even if they did work in secondary, they were never going to be fulfilled in their work. And so it's not so much about moving away from 
where we came from as much as it is maybe keeping people in it longer because they're able to practice in a way that is authentic to them and mm -hmm. keeps them fulfilled and gives them career longevity. This person who, you know, uh, always wanted to work rodeo or equestrian or performing arts or in military, um, they may have left the profession altogether if they had only had the chance to work in secondary schools, for example. so I totally agree. And I'll give you one example there that's, that's really kind of hits home to me. I had the opportunity to intern with the Arizona Cardinals for mm -hmm. three seasons. And in those years, we had a player named Pat Tillman. Yeah. And Pat Tillman was just a beast. I mean, I don't remember him even coming in for ice. I think he came mm -hmm. in to get his ankles taped because he was going to be fine if he didn't have them taped. Right. But in general, he was just an animal. And when he left the NFL career to go support his country. Yep. I remember thinking at that point, man, I'm looking at like the NFL is, is a top game. Yeah. But the military is really like maybe a top game. Right, like that's, right. That's such a bigger game than than that what I'm used to. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't really have resources. Like if I wanted to, to go support like a Tillman through the athletic training profession, I wouldn't have known where to You're, go. What does that look like? And yeah. And now... Now there's opportunities out there. I can call COPA. I can get a hold of them and yep. say, hey, I'm interested in going to the military. Where do I go to? Who's right. my resources? Right. Can you point me in the right, right direction? And that didn't exist when I was working with Pat Tillman. Exactly. And that's the kind of transition and the transformation that's happening. And that's in a short period of time. I can't imagine the next 10, 15 years. Agreed. It's awesome. It's very exciting. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate you listening in. If you want to go back and listen to this, uh, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash COPA. Thank you, David, for being here yeah, with us and chatting. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Absolutely.